You're listening to the Sound Girls Podcast with Susan and Becky from Central Florida. This episode features an interview with Megan Holmes. Megan attended California Institute of the Arts and graduated from their technical theater program in 1993. She has worked in the live sound industry for over 25 years and spent 19 of them working for Delicate Productions. In 2016, she was hired to start the Los Angeles branch of international audio company Eighth Day Sound, where she is both general manager and a sales representative. Welcome. How are you, Megan? Welcome. Thank you. I'm good. Thanks for having me. I'm I'm honored, as always, to participate in anything that Sound Girls does. So happy to be here for sure. That's awesome. Nice to meet you as well. Um, I have uh, kind of followed your career a little bit. We've been in the business about the same amount of time. So I've seen you bounce around the country and some articles you've done and things like that. And I'm always interested to talk to people who've, uh, who are in management too um, and, and uh, have to deal with all the, the crazy. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of crazy too. How have things been since the pandemic uh, with 8 Day? Um, well, um uh... We got acquired by Claire Global, but that was kind of uh, in the works before the pandemic hit. Right. Um, both ownerships did a really great job of, you know, pulling it together, even though they lost all their funding. Um, you know, it kind of demonstrated the savvy of the two ownerships and, and how they dealt with each other and persevered and, and kind of brought us through. Um the pandemic has not been easy at all. Um, I'm probably part of the 5% of the industry that's been working the whole time. Um, we had to furlough. We have about 18 full-timers that work full-time for eighth day in Los Angeles, and we furloughed 15 of them. Um, so there's only been three of us, and we've been on partial pay and, you know, um, very grateful. The company kept everybody um, in their benefits. So if you had health benefits, you didn't get them yanked away from you, even though you were furloughed. Oh, that's Um, good to hear. Yeah. Really honestly, like I've spent my whole career working for mom and pop organizations and I don't think I'll ever do anything different because if it weren't for the mom and pop kind of relationship and the family oriented vibe of, of both organizations too, um, I, I, you know, it's really easy to say, well, you've been furloughed and now we're going to take your health benefits away and put you on Cobra, which I don't it's know if anybody's too expensive. Yeah. It's too expensive for anyone to actually afford. Yeah. Especially if you're on unemployment too. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's just not um, a doable thing. Slowly lately in Los Angeles, we have been unfurloughing our team um, to either do some streaming stuff, local event work, or to work in our warehouse. So um, we've been rotating through and bringing people in. Obviously, with an acquisition, um, we're merging inventories and all of that. There's a lot of work to be done in terms of just kind of bringing us together. Sure. And that's basically what my focus has been, um, as well as selling some you know, jobs and, and some stuff. Um, I have a couple of local streaming clients that are installed and, and will be through the end of the year. So it's been a little bit of a dribble for some people and a little bit of income for the company. But um, overall, we're, we're mostly focused on getting together with Claire Global. 
and um, it's been great. They're super welcoming. Um, uh, the owner of the company, Troy, and his son Sean. You know, they're a huge legacy. Yeah. Um, and and they've both been very welcoming and and really cool to work with just right out of the gate. So it's been sad and hard and good yeah. and amazing and like this kind of crazy yin yang of of good and bad. You know, um, it's hard for me because. I am the person that does a lot of the scheduling for local work here and to not be able to be calling the team on the regular and booking people for jobs and stuff like that has been uh, heartbreaking for me personally. Do you think you're going to change uh, like what you're looking for or how you do hiring now after the pandemic? No. Uh, Be- Becky and I had talked about that because she's had some weird interactions with some people as she's hiring uh, outside of her normal area. Um, so we were just wondering if you're going to be changing that or you just, you're going to hire people that's based on the same standards as you had before. So, uh, right now, how things are going, if you were on our full-time team, you, you basically the, the mandate is, is that we get our full-timers working again. Then, um, after that kind of looking outside of that, um, for who are our part-time slash freelance team. You know, there have been requests for those people and, and we've put them in place. Um, I haven't changed rates that we bill or pay at all. Awesome. I've heard of other companies changing their rates and paying people less. Uh, I won't be doing that. That's not That's awesome. Uh, that's so great to hear. Yeah, I'm not changing rates either. Um, I have had some clients that have uh, tried to push that. Um, to change rates. Oh, we don't have enough people coming in anymore, like corporate shows, you know? Mm-hmm. So we're used to having 2000. Now we only can have 50. So that changes. Well, that doesn't change my rate whatsoever. Like no. just because you're losing money doesn't mean I have to, you know? So I'm kind of trying to hold that standard as much as possible with a small company here in Florida. Um, I was just wondering if you guys were seeing that out in LA too, or people trying that maneuver. People are trying to get things for cheap. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> we <laughs> gear out for less than what we would normally, but it's getting the gear out the door and working. Um, but I'm not, we're not tearing holes into how we pay or what we pay or what we bill. I'm not doing it. It is what it is. It's the rate that, that is established here in town. It's an expensive place to live. Um, I actually, in many ways, feel like there are times when we could pay more we should be paying more we should be billing more um but coming out of this right now i i would get into a pretty heated argument i think with somebody that came to me and said that they wanted to pay less for the crew yeah, you know? yeah. it's we also- are seeing less crew oriented work though we're seeing a lot of dry hire yeah that makes sense that out there I, it it would be so cruel, I think, to pay somebody less when they're also risking exposure to go out on these events and be, yeah. you know, exposed to cra- crowds, even if they're social distancing. Because I know the events that I work, they don't, and they don't wear masks, even though it's mandated. And so that makes me feel uncomfortable. So to be exposed yep. and get paid less and not have health insurance, potentially, all of that sounds like total bullshit. No, it's not the way forward and it's not the way to make people feel like this is a sustainable future and to hang in there. You know, that was my whole thing and has been my whole thing is 
gosh, when we get back, we're going to need everybody. Yeah. You know? Try and hang in there. And I'm sorry that I can't give you more. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, but, you know, I'm seeing people that A-list, touring, monitor, engineer, night shift at Amazon, loading trucks. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just like, you know, you you never, never think that, that these people would ever do anything else but mix monitors for, you know, arenas, touring acts. But here, lo and behold, so there's a lot of people that that are just kind of doing something to get by. Uh, yeah. We've had some people that are gone. They're not yeah. coming back. They've found something else to do and their family likes them around. And, you know, uh, it's making them the same money and yeah. they're going to keep doing it, you know? Um, and then there are the diehards that are, you know, white knuckled, hanging in there, trying to, you know, make it, make it until, you know, we're back, but I think how we come back and, and the way that we're coming back and all of that is sort of what we anticipated. We, we anticipated that it would be a lot of streaming work and mm-hmm. there would be smaller scale events and drive-in stuff. And we've seen all of that. Um, and certainly here in LA, we've seen a, a smattering of all of those things. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's just for the rest of the country to kind of, for all of us to kind of get on board together and come up with a unified plan to get venues back open again. And that that's really, I think, rapid testing more than anything. Yeah, yeah definitely. It's, uh, it's quite interesting, I will say, you know, and having that conversation with the employees and stuff too, you know, like, how are we going to keep you safe? What are we doing? How, you know, mm-hmm. please wear your mask, wash your hands, do what you got to do. You know, we're going to clean every piece of gear and microphone and everything you touch for the next, you know, two days, right. three days. Yeah, yeah, forever, forever, forever too. Yeah, and uh, the last gig I did was a couple of weeks ago, and we it was a small little corporate thing, and we did. Um, I had a specific person that just wiped everything down like all the time, and you know, I'm sorry, AV Tech, that that has now become your job, but it's keeping a lot of us safe, you know. And then yeah. I had three separate vocalists, you know, that sang, did singing each night, or or even had like a small band set up, and. Uh, all my rental stuff was this microphone is there specifically that one is there specifically, you know, we're not using yeah. the same mic every other night. So a little bit more money going out there for the client, but that's okay. It keeps people safe, you know? So there's people paying, you know, $30,000 a day for COVID compliance here in Los Angeles for their shoots, you yeah. know, asking somebody to wipe down their area with a, you know, give them a packet of, of wipes, you know, and just say, Hey, as often as you can, whenever you can, yeah. use these wipes and wipe everything down that you touch. And then when it comes to the vocal mics and stuff like that, see how few people can touch things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is basically where we're at. We have a product that's made by Phone Soap. It's a it's a UV dis, uh, like disinfecting unit. Mm-hmm. And we put all of our vocal mics uh, in that when they get back and then they get sealed into a plastic bag nice. before awesome. they go out. And, and I think that, you know, we're all trying to do the right thing and keep our teams happy and healthy and working. And, um, certainly all the productions here, there's mandatory testing. Um, we've seen, uh, mandatory, you know, isolation and quarantining ahead of a show. 
five, yeah. three or four days um, where people are staying in a hotel and they're not allowed to go anywhere. And then they're allowed to go from the hotel to the rehearsals and hotel to the, you know, award show or whatever. I, we've had a bunch of that too. And there's, there's testing every single day. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, you don't want to be the one that's responsible for someone getting sick or, or dying mm-hmm. from it. You know, you got to do what you can to keep your conscience clear, your conscience clear. And then also, like you said, do the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I, I think it's a, it, and it has been for us I'm very fortunate that the owner of eighth day, Tom Marco, his wife, uh, used to be a nurse. She's a retired nurse. And so when this started kind of becoming an issue in February, she was on it. We That's were cleaning awesome. up and wiping things down and, um, and to the point of like almost suffocating in our warehouse because we had been using like a <laughs> you know Clorox kind of spray that was brutal. The fumes were brutal. Yeah. Um, you know, but she she kind of guided us in the very beginning of all of this, and I'm super grateful to her because I feel like we were 100% as a company way ahead of the game. Um, and there were yeah, a bunch of sure. us like, yes, she's overreacting, you know. And I look back on it now, it's like, oh, Marina, honey, you knew, <laughs> you knew, yeah, you knew where we were headed and and what this was going to be like. And I was I was grateful just to kind of get into the mindset early. Yeah. You know, we, um, we have, you know, we wear masks, even though there's, there's the group of us that have been around each other this whole time. We still wear masks. Um, you know, we take our temperatures twice a day, wiping everything down. Um, we found these packets of wipes that we really love the company. I mean, all I had to do was take a picture of it, send it to them and say, Hey, buy us a bunch of these three cases showed up within four or five days. They're a hundred percent on board with However we want to clean, however often we want to clean, whatever our procedures are, they are supporting it 100%. And they've already come up with kind of our outline of how we're supposed to manage things. Mm -hmm. Um, But anything extra that we want to do, they're like, here, have it. Take it. That's great. That's been very good. Excellent. I I have two jobs. One is um, I teach at a college and the other one, I'm a technical director at a megachurch. And it's a huge diversion between the two. Um, like for my teaching job, I helped create the, you know, sanitation plan and I put, we made protocols for it because we want to keep our students safe and we also want them to learn, um, what to do. So when they get into jobs, they'll be competent at that. Right. So I, I did a lot of that research and planning and putting it onto paper and all of that. And then at my other job, they don't provide us anything at all to clean or wipe down anything. So I'm bringing that stuff from home to wipe it down so that I can feel okay about what I'm doing. Yeah. And the di- the difference between the two is striking and frustrating. Mm. You said that's in Florida. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think, um, I think part of the problem is too, we just don't have as a country, we don't have that unified plan. Um, and, and it'd be great if, if it was just a hit list of like six things that we all had to do, regardless, you're going to create a job site. Great. Here are the six points that you have to cover and and have in line in order to create a job site. And, and I really do find the lack of, of kind of planning and leadership frustrating, especially for the group of us that are all 
so proactive. We, yeah. we pre-produce everything we do. I mean, even if it's a teeny little one-up, I still go and do a site visit with a client. We still talk about what we're going to do. We still talk about what inventory is right for the job. We make all these plans and it's really frustrating to see a, a group of people that can't plan a, a shit fight in a bathroom to save their lives. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yep. <laughs> I'm, I'm right there with you, man. Oh, it's, it's really frustrating. No, but, I swear. Yeah. You three production managers, three of the top production managers in the world sit down and come up with a plan. They will come up with a bitchin' plan that is totally doable. Like you, you, you got a group of people just sitting on their asses waiting to do something. It's like, why yeah. not important somebody that's a solutions oriented person yeah. to solve these problems? This is stupid and ridiculous. Yeah. Totally, totally annoying. Well, hopefully with the new leadership, uh, we'll get something a lot sooner than we were expecting. <laughs> I hope so. I that's really a plan, right? <laughs> yeah, I hope that they give him his funding so that he can start doing that. Because right now, uh, the current administration is withholding the funding for him to move forward with his kind of, in, you know, transition team. And, and part of that transition team is coming up with a plan to deal with the virus in the country yeah. as a unified you know, team, like there's nothing a group of humans cannot accomplish. Seriously. It's if so they, if they want to, that's, yeah. that's, that's the Dude, difference I, that some of them don't want to, or don't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> Especially in our industry. Like that's one of the things I've found over working in, you know, production for 25 years and or more it's, there is nothing we can't pull off. Like, I, I mean, we'll I'm sure you've out. seen this Megan, like yeah. some of the, uh, Megan, I keep calling you Megan. I don't even know why, but sorry about that. Uh, but Megan, it's, it's like, I mean, my gosh, I don't know if I can think of one offhand, but you, I bet you have stories for days of things you've seen just that we're capable of pulling off in production. Yeah. Oh, we, we shut down streets overnight in Hollywood, put up a stage, load in lights, sound, video, backline, Hundreds of people mobilized in the middle of the street, execute an event and take it all down like it wasn't even there. Yeah. Like we're talking, staging <laughs> everything ground up. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we get called to do things and it's like, you guys want to do what? Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's figure this out. Let's figure out how to do Let's figure out how to have a party for 2000 people in this wealthy person's yard, you know, <laughs> out and, and build a stage and how we're going to get the band in and out and all of it. We can do all of it. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, like I said, take three, the three top production managers in the world and the only holdup will probably be them arguing with each other over whose plan is better. Uh, <laughs> true. True that. We have a, another question that uh, kind of changes topic a little bit. Um, since you've been at Eighth Day Sound, uh, what what does your company what has your company done for like inclusion and diversity uh, since you've been there? Have you guys made changes, or was it already uh, kind of set nicely? I would say that um, actually part of the allure for me to work for Eighth Day was how inclusive um the team is and the fact that their cfo is a woman um their director of sales is an african-american man they have 
probably more black people working for them than a lot of the major companies in the world. That's awesome. Um, and it, it felt good to me to kind of jump on board with them right out of the gate. I didn't feel like I was going to have to make, you know, massive inroads with the ownership or something like that in order for them to understand that they need to broaden their horizons. Um, the one thing that, you know, the part of the world that I can control, which is the hiring for Los Angeles, um, ultimately I want amazing people that are going to represent the company well. And I'm not going to really, you know, worry about anything else but that. And I like giving people opportunities. I like giving people um, challenges. So somebody that might feel stuck in something that they've been doing, um, kind of like to see how they do in other things and challenge them. And that's really all I've, I've been interested in doing is trying to find people that are passionate about what they do and giving them an opportunity to, to meet their goals in some way. That's so wonderful. We don't hear that too often from people who aren't teachers, you know? <laughs> I, I love that uh, in, you know, hiring somebody that you think about the relationship factor too. Um, I read that in an interview. I think it might've been the sound girls interview we did with you uh, on the website where you were talking about how you've learned valuable lessons and how relationships drive our industry uh, more so than the technical aspect. Obviously you have to have that technical part in there, but you can learn that, you know, you can't, you can't learn how to be, I mean, I guess you could learn how to be nice and a normal person, but you know, <laughs> it's, it's, there's something to be said about the relationship factor, I guess is what I'm getting at. Um, can you kind of dive into that a little bit? Just, yeah, I think that, and I and I say this often, which is the sum of who I am and my opportunities is because of the relationships I cultivated. That's just it. I um, I've been working for Delicate as as you said in my bio for a long time, and I kind of felt like I had hit the ceiling uh, there, and I I wanted more. Like I just wanted more opportunities, more inventory, more, more, more. And so I started, and, and I was fortunate. I had somebody actually pursue me uh, and ask me if I was happy. And I hadn't ever really thought of it, really. And I didn't really think of there being other opportunities out there for me until somebody asked me if I was happy and if I was willing to interview with them. And I didn't have to provide a resume when I went for that interview. Um, everybody there knew me in some way, um, by reputation or by, uh, experience with me on site somewhere or dealing with me via email or whatever. And then, um, I went and interviewed with eight day and it was the same thing. I didn't provide a resume. In fact, when you all asked me for a resume, I kind of laughed. I was like, oh, God. <laughs> I don't think I've done, written a resume in many, many years. Yeah. And you're not the first one. <laughs> And I was going to say that's great. Oh yeah, the the thing that Tom Marco did, the owner of Eighth Day, is he went and he called everybody he knew. He said, "Do you know Megan? What do you think of her? Should I hire her?" And he calls it the Megan Holmes fan club because <laughs> he called people that were like, "Oh my God, you've got to hire her. That's 
and that that is the sum of my cultivated relationships is is leaving a decent taste or a good enough taste in everybody's mouth when they've dealt with me that they're willing to say something nice to a future employer of mine um and i don't think Anyone, nobody wants to work with or tour with an asshole. And it used to be when I first started out that assholes were acceptable and people tolerated them because there weren't a whole lot of people that wanted to do this. And it was kind of like a secret club almost. It was yeah. hard to get into and uh, hard to get started. And it is still to a degree uh, a bit of a simple, you know, it, it's, more, it's more challenging uh, in, for some people. Uh, who don't have access to things or, or, you know, live in a community where there's audio companies that can hire them or whatever. Right. Um, but I would say that uh, nowadays you are very much um, your reputation. And if you are a helpful, uh, hardworking person, people notice that. And, and that will carry you through and help you build your relationships is being helpful, being, not being a sarcastic asshole when somebody asks you a question. Um, That's a big one. <laughs> I, I just got tired of it. I got yeah. tired of being greeted with sarcasm when I was trying to get shit done. And, yeah. and I'm, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to be this way. I had one incident where I was working for a band called Soul Coughing. We were on tour with our own gear and everything. I was mixing monitors. And we had a fly date. And we flew into this festival in Salt Lake City. And when we arrived late, our flight was delayed and we didn't get our sound check. And so I had to throw and go. And this is long before digital consoles. So <laughs> it was not, you know, going in all nice and loading some file like yeah, everybody right. does now, you know, and at least having a good starting point. I had nothing. I had to smile and dial. And uh, the two technicians that were there from whatever audio company it was, I don't even remember, sat there and watched me. And didn't help me at all. They didn't try and, you know, pitch in. They didn't ask me if I needed anything. They didn't offer to drive while I was, um, while I was out on stage, ringing out wedges, like none of it. Um, and it sucked. Yeah. And I, and I was so mad and, and almost hurt. I was like, you know, you assholes, like we should, we're on the same side. Like yeah. it's all our show, right? Like if, if my set doesn't go well, you're the audio company. Like you're going to look bad. Like, I don't get this. Like right. why do you care? And I kind of promised myself that day. I was like, you know what? If I can help people when they're doing a festival, I'm gonna, cause this sucked. And I don't want somebody else to have to go through this. This isn't fair. It's hard enough to have to fly in and, and throw and go <laughs> like, yeah. Why won't you help me? You know? So I, again, um, relationships, because when you're in Brazil and you're having problems with power and you have friends with Lincoln Park who happen to be carrying a generator guy with them who can fix the power problem and are happy to help you in any way because they've known you for so long, you know, all those little things just keep building, just keep building. And so the longer you're in the industry, and all these people that you kind of came up with and tried to support and help and back up and everything, they start getting into positions of power. And those are the people that are going to hire you, or those are the people that are going to give you opportunities. Or in my case, those are my clients. 
that, you know, help me make my sales numbers great because they want to work with me because we've known each other for 15, 20 years, you know, that cultivating your relationships is probably more important than taking the L-acoustics training, I would say. I I completely 100% agree with you. I mean, I have a resume. I've never once been hired from it, you know, and it's all about the relationship as far as I'm concerned, you know, and during this pandemic when we're not doing anything and we're shut down and whatever, sure, there's trainings a hundred ways, but like one of the goals that I made for myself was every week, at least contact two people that you know in the industry, check in on your friends, check in on your people, um, check in with everyone even if it's an hour-long conversation a buddy of mine who's been in the industry 35 years i checked in on him last tuesday and he burst into tears talking to me on the phone and he's like becky i'm sorry i'm crying he goes i don't even know why he's like just the fact that you checked in and then then this this week calls me and says i don't even want to work anymore i have nothing i i just i have no desire to do it and i have a small show would you take it and i know it's because of that relationship So I'm doing his show Wednesday for him and it's a streaming thing, but you know what? It's money for me and it's a relationship and it helped him, you know? And so that exactly what you're saying. I'm just bouncing off you, I guess, is, is that relationship factor and keeping yourself open. And I don't know how to end that thought. Uh, (laughs) Just I'm so sorry to say we are out of time. Thank you so much for joining us today. Megan. Thank you, Megan, for joining us. We had a great time talking to you today. Well, do you want to talk about the commercial too? I do want to talk about the commercial. Let's talk about the commercial. (laughs) (laughs) We want music beds. We want new music for uh, the sound girls podcast because we like our music, but we're kind of over it. We like new music. We want to hear what y'all are doing. People are making cool things during the pandemic, and I want to hear it. Susan wants to hear it. We want to put it on the podcast. Uh, We want to share all of your wonderful creative ideas with other people. So we're looking for music beds, stingers, bumpers, intros, outros. I don't know all the other words you call them, but fun things. That sounds like things. Music things to put on podcasts. Music things, because you know what I cannot do? make music things i don't make music things either i mean i can try but it's not going to be really pleasant at all i have the garage band app but i don't think no, that no. any of our people are going to think that's acceptable no no <laughs> we're just gonna say no to the garage band app let's get some real people <laughs> to give us music that real people better. that make real music uh send it in to the sound girls podcast uh, what's our email address? It is uh, soundgirlspod at gmail.com. All right. Send us all of your fun stuff and we'll play them on the Soundgirls podcast. Soundgirls yeah. pod, pod at gmail.com. Gmail. Gmail. <laughs> We're such dorks. Yep. <laughs> Hey y'all, are you tired of your mixes sounding dull and lifeless? Have you been struggling with learning how to EQ and hear frequencies? Are you a newbie trying to get involved in the world of music, but this pandemic's got you down because you can't get your hands on gear? Want to learn how to make songs sound like they were mixed by a professional? This is your chance to learn from someone 
who has been a sound engineer for some of the biggest names in music and our co-founder of Sound Girls, Michelle Shibolachek-Petnano. Michelle is giving a free masterclass where she will share her three-step process for mixing your music like a pro. Go to mixingmusiclive.com, mixingmusiclive.com. This masterclass is only available for a short time, so don't miss it. Spots are limited and registration is on a first-come, first-served basis. mixingmusiclive.com.